Welcome to the podcast. You are listening to Hello Beautiful with me, your host, Samantha Roberto. So today we're speaking with Iko Smith, creator of the Mindfulness Mindset blog, a space which helps women who want it all to develop the mind to create it. We met while living close quarters these past two weeks while attending a 10-day silent Vipassana course. And today we're going to go deep into what that entire experience was for the both of us. If you're someone who is curious about meditation or has ever even thought about doing a Vipassana, trust me, you don't want to miss this. Let's do it. Hello and welcome. So before we get into our personal experiences, I'm going to explain and give you an overview of what Vipassana is so that you sort of have an understanding of what we went through over these past 10 days. So Vipassana is a style of meditation that teaches you the art of living through experience. Uh, It was rediscovered 2,500 years ago by Siddhartha Gautama, who most people think of as Buddha. Yes, the Buddha who reached enlightenment meditating under a tree, Uh, although Buddha technically means enlightened one. And there's been many Buddhas before him, many Buddhas after him, but he is very special and his contribution to meditation was the Vipassana portion of the meditation, which is Panna, which we're going to get into in a second. And um, the foundation of Vipassana is based on three things, three main points. The first one is sila, moral conduct, which is um, when you go to this 10 days of silence, you take refuge and you agree to uh, five precepts. So the first one is to um, abstain from killing anything. So if you see like an ant or a fly or anything alive, you don't kill it. The second one is abstain from stealing. The third one, abstain from sexual activity. The fourth one, abstain from telling lies. You're not talking, you can't lie. And the fifth one is to abstain from all intoxicants. And if you're an old student, which I was in this case because I've sat of a Vipassana before, I also had to abstain from not eating after 12 o'clock noon. So essentially I got breakfast at 6.30 in the morning. I got lunch at 11 o'clock. And then after that, I didn't get anything to eat all day. So it was 19 hours of fasting. And that actually helped you get deeper into the meditation. Um, and it wasn't as hard as you would have thought it to be. So Sila is the first sort of leg of the foundation. The second leg of the tripod, let's say, is samadhi. So samadhi is mental concentration. It's pulling the reins in on the monkey mind. And for the first four days of the experience, the meditation experience, you learn a style of meditation called anapana, which essentially has you focusing on a specific part of your body. Um, It was the upper lip in your nose the entire time and observing the breath within that space. So feeling the sensations of the breath, observing it, and just really bringing your mind. When your mind would wander off to the past or to the future, when you caught yourself in that moment, you would sort of pull the reins on it, bring it back, focus on the breath, and essentially sharpen your your focus. By doing that over and over, you found, you know, maybe you could do it for a few seconds and then the mind would wander and then you bring it back and then it would go 10 seconds and then you'd work your way up to a minute and then you could focus for five minutes. So 
every single day you sort of focused on that. And then on day four, we were taught the Vipassana technique and the third leg, which is called Panna, which is the wisdom of the body and insight into the body. And that's where you do this sweeping technique. And since your mind is so sharp from the four days of samadhi and mental mental concentration, you can observe the sensations that your body is actually feeling on very subtle levels. And you feel those sensations without reacting and you give your body the the space to release whatever the sensation is. So whether it's prickling, tingling, cold, hot, um, cramping, a pain, a good sensation, vibrating, whatever it is, you observe it without judgment and you you learn this technique to release those sensations. So Aiko, thank you for being here. Let's get into the details of everything that this experience was. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate you bringing me on. Yeah, I'm excited to see where, where this goes because I mean, it's it's been an intense two weeks. We've gone through quite a heavy experience with each other. Yes, we have. I'm like still adjusting to reality. The noise, the traffic, TV, phones, all the stuff we didn't have. It's overwhelming it's now an, that we're home. It's crazy, right? Like when you remove yourself from that. So, um, but before we get into Vipassana, can you let, just so our audience can get to know you a little bit more, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, well, my name's Aiko. I'm the creator of the Mindfulness Mindset. It's a blog for women, and mindfulness is like my jam. And I think that, you know, if everybody develops like a meditation practice mindfully, that it can improve everybody's life. So my mission is to spread mindfulness wherever I can, especially to women, because I think it's so important for us to be grounded mm-hmm. and, to, and to live intentionally. Mm-hmm. So that's my purpose. So uh, that's what I'm doing now. And you're a busy woman. You've got three children. Yes, I have three kids. I have a ninth grader, so freshman in high school, a third grader, eight-year-old boy, and then a kindergartner, Jojo. That's in, that's five years old. So yeah, it's pretty intense, but it's, my- I, I'm a mom. So that's just what I do, you know, juggle it all. With the mindfulness piece, that definitely helps, right? Oh, yes. It keeps me grounded. So I just like don't lose myself in the everyday hustle and bustle. I'm like grounded, intentional, happy, calm. Wow. I'm like, ready to rock it. Well, congratulations on the blog. I know a lot of people um, sort of have these creative projects within them or these things that they want to do. But at sometimes it can be so hard to actually go and get it done and just do it. So um, how did you get into the game? Like for you, how did that start? Okay, so initially, um, well, meditation's been like a part of my life since I was little because my mother is like a spiritual lady. She was a Reiki healer and she taught us how to meditate when we were little. But, you know, when you're like a teenager in your early 20s, it's kind of on and off because life gets in the way. But I found like being a mom that it was like a necessary self-care had to do it or else my whole day just like did not work the same way you know so I started taking it seriously about two years ago when um, I went to UCLA they have a mindfulness awareness research center and they have classes there that anyone could like enroll in and take so I took it pretty seriously and joined I joined their intensive practice program and I just realized like how much my life has changed since since joining and then being around like-minded people 
is like mm-hmm. a huge thing. So it's like I just I got so much out of that program and I just saw how much it improved my life just adding that you know 30 minutes here and there and then just living mindfully like how my life has improved so it really motivated me to like share it with everybody that I can so it's like it's become also part of my like self-care practice to write because I that's what I like to do and so it's it keeps me grounded and that's like a part of who I am now it's like I want to share what I learn and it's the inspiration within you it's something that's helped you so much and I love that it's your way of giving back and contributing to people around you because I mean when you find something like that it's like okay other people need to know like it's like like, how do people live without it now like how do you live if you're not like centered in your mind how do people like go along their days and get all their things done without making themselves like sick because it's so so much work bills motherhood just everything that people want to do hard to create if you don't have the balance it starts all in the mind and the one thing I want to point out with this is that like one excuse that people have is that oh well I'm too busy for that yeah like I know I should do yoga or meditation or this but I'm busy what do you have to say about that statement I think that you feel so busy because you can't meditate and then like because you're not meditating I feel like once you start meditating then things start aligning and you create space around all those things that you want to do more space is created and so if you have a centered mind you have time to do all the things that you want to do it should be like I don't know why they don't teach it like in kindergarten they're starting to Mm. it's actually like globally um, that's a movement that is starting to happen. They're starting to incorporate mindfulness in schools. I mean, it's a slow process, but yeah. I am seeing articles because it's sort of on my radar mm-hmm. here and there. So I think, you know what, in the next decade, my prediction is that that's going to change. Yeah, it's just as important as PE. I know yeah. they've cut that out like crazy too, but it's like mind and body. It's like if you don't have the, if you don't have control of your body, control of your mind, then like how do you – how, how do you, you operate? How do you do? How do you, how do you do anything? <laughs> it's like a chicken with the head cut off. Like you totally. run around like crazy, right? So that's what I, my that's like pre mindfulness life is really chicken with its head cut off. <laughs> that's what it looked like for well, sure. Well, congratulations on that. I I really honor that path that you're taking, and I love that you're doing it to give back. So, um, in, in terms of mindfulness, vipassana is like to me like la creme de la creme of like meditation it was like whoa it's a pretty loaded experience oh yeah how did you um I'm curious how did you first hear about Vipassana or how were you drawn to take the course um actually a woman that I was in you at UCLA with in my mindfulness class I live in Joshua Tree in, in the desert and it's right over in the next town the Vipassana Center and she when she, I told her I lived in Joshua Tree she's like have you been to the Vipassana Center it's right next to your house and I had like never even heard about it and so I was like I should go check it out and she was like if there's a 10-day course it's free and I was like free <laughs> ding 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 because it's like you know retreats are expensive you yeah. know and it's like you get so much development when you go but it it costs as it should because you get so much back from it but this was a 10-day course and it was free and I was like wow that's something that I could fit into my budget for sure (laughs) (laughs) I can fit free in there and Uh and the funny thing is it's 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 people say oh the Vipassana retreat 
but it really isn't a retreat. No, it kind of felt like, yeah, it's not a, it was, it was the hardest. I mean, I don't want to like discourage anybody from going, but it was the hardest 10 day for me, my personal experience. Yeah. It was very, very difficult. The emphasis, you know, is on work. And so it's not like you're just kicking back all day, like retreating. Definitely not. It was completely involved all day. Hard work, but Hard. extremely rewarding. Yes, yes. Right? Yes. Like it's it's uh, what you put into it and what you go through. It's like what you get coming out, which we'll get through through this episode. Um you know, it's definitely something. I mean, I'm obviously a huge advocate. Right. That was your second time going. This right? is my second Vipassana. Second, and third and time, I've, right? Right. Because you, you did like a... And I served as well. I served mm-hmm. half a course as well, which was a different experience. But um, yeah, for me, I first heard about it through my mom. Actually, my mom was one who introduced me. I don't know if you oh, know really? this. No, but, I didn't. And she actually did it uh, before 9-11 happened. And when she, over the years, I remember her always saying that if the world knew about Vipassana and if the world practiced Vipassana, 9-11 wouldn't have happened. Or, you know, like just that like, and that not specifically that event, but just in general, like there wouldn't be that animosity and that hatred. Unfortunately, there there is in the world. Um, And ironically enough, we started our course on September 9-11. So that was one thing that like sort of just an ironic thing. So... Yeah, and I served my first course with my mom, so it was nice to be able to do it with her. But Oh, you did it with your mom. How was that? It was amazing. It was really good. But it's funny because going into this course, a little bit of like a bat like fear in the back of my head that that I had was like the first one I had my mom there. Even though we couldn't talk, even though we couldn't communicate, it was almost comforting knowing that she was there. Yeah. Whereas yes. this one I went completely alone. So that for me I was like a little bit nervous about it. But um but yeah, it, I mean, it was it was fantastic. So isn't it crazy? Like we spent ten days or nine days like in silence, but I felt so connected. Like when we were able to speak, I felt like, wow, these are like my good friends now. Even no language, it's because we were all just doing the same thing, all in alignment with the path, the Dhamma. The Dhamma, you know? yeah. Yeah, and so I felt like this, like this closeness to everybody that was in the room. It was really nuts. So for uh, listeners curious who aren't um, familiar with the schedule, uh, essentially each day is the same. Uh, it's a 4 a.m. wake up. I'll go through the day quickly. So 4 a.m. wake up, um, 4.30 to 6.30, a two-hour meditation. Then 6.30 till 8.30, we have breakfast and a little bit of a break. And then from 8 to 11, Another three hours of meditation, 11 to 2, lunch and a break, 1 to 5, four hours of meditation, 5 to 6, tea break, 6 to 7, meditate, 7 to 8.15, we would watch a discourse, which was a movie to kind of um, explain what you were going through, through the process, and then 8.15 to 9, meditate, 10 p.m., lights out. To the next day, the exact same routine. So that's um, essentially what the Vipassana experience looked like. Yeah, hardcore meditation boot camp. <laughs> hardcore meditation boot camp. Yes, it was hardcore. I could not even believe it. The first day <laughs> was like the hardest day of my life. Just like, you know, they say that meditation, mindfulness, Vipassana, how to train your wild elephant. My mind was so untrained 
just the wandering monkey mind, I thought, and it's like, I'm a regular meditator too. So it's like, I thought like, okay, no problem. Could totally handle this, but different style of meditation and also uh, long periods of sitting, long periods of sitting. It's like 10 and a half hours a day. Yeah, that's a long time. So it's it's a long time. And you're in solitude. So essentially, there's no, um, you don't talk, no reading, no writing, no TVs, no social media, you know, eye contact, no touch, like you are in complete solitude. Like we're aware. And no yoga. No, no yoga. No yoga. That was crazy for me. I'm like, I can't, because, you know, your body and mind are so connected too, you know, and so I'm used to having a little yoga with my meditation or before or after and that kind of just like pulls it all together but no nothing like that so it's different but what we but what we could do is um in the rest periods you get an opportunity to walk so that was the one thing that you could do is you can go for walks along the property and they had this little path around um the segregated woman area so men and women are kept separately so we had our little woman section and that was you know nice to be able to get out in nature and get time. Yeah, it was beautiful, beautiful too. And you were working it on that walking path <laughs> <laughs> on the rest periods. You were getting your walking in. I was like, geez, this lady over here, she's working it. Do you know what happened to me? And it's so funny. This is the thing because you notice the habits and the patterns of the other women around you. There was about maybe 35, 40 women with right. in our section. So for me, I found I had so much inspiration coming through my meditations with like the podcast, what I've got on the go, what's happening, that like when I could move my body, I had this like rajastic, like let's go movement energy. So I had to work it just to release that because yeah. everything else was so slow. So that was like my way of processing. Yeah. I, my meditations were always the best after I was able to, if I was able to walk before the meditation, before the sit, the long sit, if I had the exercise, just even walking, I felt like, okay, I can, my mind settled down way faster. That little period, that one to five, that afternoon meditation was just not as good as the morning ones. No. Not as good as the morning ones. <laughs> it makes a difference. <laughs> it does. So how did you find the schedule? Like going through um, what I said, like, did you find parts of it were more challenging or did you find certain days of the 10 days were more challenging I've had a couple of challenge the first day was the hardest and I think it was just you know getting used to that just sitting and the monkey mind and realizing like wow I really don't have control over this thing like it is just wild there and so it was exhausting you know your mind wanders away you bring it back mind wanders away bring and it just felt like when are you just gonna settle in you know and so the first day was like the worst mm-hmm. and then um fourth day when it was actually vipassana day i had like a crazy kind of weird experience because that's when we started doing like the actual vipassana which i'm sure you'll get into and explain um and then that those were my two hardest days and then the 10th day when we were able to start kind of talking again, I, my meditations were just like a, not just, just, they were just not there. It just went know? out the window. It was gone. <laughs> yeah. Can you, you mentioned the crazy kind of weird experience. Do you mind sharing like what okay. it was? Yeah. So like when we start Vipassana day, that's when we started having to feel our sensations like throughout our body. Mm-hmm. And the teacher explains like we have to start, start at the top of the head. And just feel the sensations that are coming through. And so 
when I brought my awareness to the top of my head, it felt like I had ants crawling out of the top of my head, like just little insects crawling all over. And, you know, you were, we were sitting in sittings of determination. We weren't allowed to move during those periods of time. And so there was no, like, itching or anything. And so I kind of just, like, sat and observed, you know, okay, this is, like, I feel, like, the crawling and the weirdness. But then I started spinning, like, in my mind, like, I felt like I was in a washing machine, like, in the spin cycle, like, Woo, 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 just dizzy, dizzy. And it felt like it was never ending. It was probably like three minutes long of spinning in my head. And, you know, we're not supposed to open our eyes or anything. I knew that would stop the spinning, but I was just trying to stay determined and, you know. But so I actually eventually stopped spinning. And then I just started sweating. Like this heat came all over my body. And I was just drenched in sweat. And I was like, what the hell? <laughs> was that I like I've never had that in my life like that kind of intense physical reaction from meditating and yeah let's just highlight you're sitting you're not moving like you're not physically moving your body this is going through a meditation yes you're not moving at all and this is what's happening so when you came out of the meditation eventually and opened your eyes and moved like did you notice like were you sweaty was your body hot oh I was sweating it was like I ran four miles I had like just sweat all over my body I knew it was real like this it wasn't like summit like I really had like a crazy experience and that was my first time ever so I went to ask the teacher afterwards because we were able to ask questions at nine o'clock at night and so I asked her like I told her explained to her just like how I explained what happened and then she told me that those are the impurities being released from my um from my like from my body and I'm like what what I didn't know and you know it's I like besides that crazy experiences like just while we were feeling the sensations or while I was I just had like memories of the past just kind of flashing just things that like I haven't thought about in years and years things in elementary school high school just weird things and I think I have just they were just lodged in my body these memories that were heavy or hurtful or where I felt like I needed to apologize or I was holding some guilt or shame I felt like all of that kind of came up and I had like physical sensations from like those memories it was really strange and (laughs) And I'm I'm glad I did it because I feel great you, afterwards. you feel lighter afterwards right but yeah. but that's it it's that our body actually holds memory and by in everyday life like if your body gets uncomfortable or you get a pain we just adjust we just move it or adjust to it we move we almost ignore it you know we don't actually give our body space to feel whereas sitting there and focusing your attention on this, those sensation, it's like you're finally giving your body permission to talk. Yes. To let go. And as those sensations come up, memories tied to those sensations come up and release too. Yes. That was, <laughs> I had, to, I had, 
we weren't allowed to write, which was fortunate and unfortunate because I had a list of people that I'm like, okay, I got to call Jen because that time when I was 13 and I said that, that was so mean and that's not in alignment with who I am like now as like an adult woman and I'm just regretful and this person I have to say sorry to and not only like the, the, not just pain that I caused other people, but those pains that were, that I felt inflicted upon me from other people all that junk came up too and I just you really do think that you let it go you know what I mean because it's not active in your mind but just like you said like your body remembers what your mind doesn't it just is there on a subconscious level right Mm -hmm. and the, the whole thing is that our subconscious that subconscious level that holds those pains that hurt maybe that craving is actually like the software in the system running the computer of ourselves. Yeah. So it's like the underlying background software that you could be in a situation talking to your husband or your friend or doing something totally different. And all of a sudden you get this like agitation or this feeling and you don't really know where it came from, but it's there. So you think it's that situation. Oh, well, that person said this, but really it's tied to something way, way, way back or something way, way, way deep that's just poking at you and causing you to react. Yes, totally. And you know, they say like the three causes of unhappiness, the craving, aversion, and then the ignorance. And that's that's that part, the ignorance part. Like you don't know a lot of the times like why you feel certain ways or like you get like a vibe about something and you there's just like kind of like no awareness yeah. it's just like ignorant to that kind of stuff unless you're like in tune with your body like that like how would you know but the ego loves to create a whole scenario like mm-hmm. I know this person and we create these stories and then you realize like so often life is run on these stories that are literally fabricated yes have no real truth but it just it complicates things and it makes life so much more volatile and kind of struggle yeah and that was such like a another thing that we learned is that um which I kept thinking is we generate our own misery and I thought like you know no one's doing anything to us we do it all to ourselves about you know how we react and respond to certain things like we generate our own misery and that was so clear that came like that's the biggest thing that I've learned I meant like I knew that but you, I didn't feel, I meant like I knew it on an intellectual kind of, you know, way, but I, I really understand in my body now how that works. Vipassana gave you the wisdom. Yeah. And that's what it is. Like the Pana part of Vipassana is the wisdom to understand that. It's one thing to know something on elect, an, an intellectual level. It's one thing to read something in a book, to understand a theory, to know something, but to actually walk a path to physically feel it and experience it. That gives you wisdom. Yes. And that's something like once you're expanded with that wisdom, you can't really contract. Life will forever sort of change, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I just even that it was hard coming, you know, coming back home with the kids and the husband. And it was like you just get thrown back into life. But I like literally before ever, anytime I opened my mouth, I had this new awareness about this space that was created there Mm -hmm. that like this, this 
calmness before I speak, the little moment to to make sure, okay, like where is this coming from? Is this coming from like an agitated place? Am I centered before I speak? Like where is where is this coming from? Like that little second, that little moment in time mm. before I speak is everything, mm. you know, because people are so if people only remember the way you make them feel. And so I always want my kids to know and feel that I love them, you know? And if you're like trying to just like, you know, just ripping through your day, like you're just don't have that, that care that like that quality of care that you, that you should have with like such like gentle, pure little beings, you know, that are so sensitive and they, they don't understand life. And so they hear certain things like my snappy, then it's, Oh, mom doesn't like me like oh no 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 like I don't ever want them to have those kinds of misunderstandings about like my relationship with them so even that little space that was created was beneficial just for just it for my whole family you know totally life-changing really because those those moments between all of a sudden your day is going to get better it's going to be you know and then their days will get better and it's sort of everyone around you essentially will benefit that's why I think it's so important for women especially to have like this self-care practice, this meditation practice. It's like, you know, it's like mama rules that, like if she sets the tone in the home, you know, like this maternal energy that's like makes everybody feel like warm and loved, like that is the most important thing. And so if you have kids or even a dog, like anybody that you're taking care of, even you're taking care of your boyfriend, your mom, your dad, like you're just like a nurturing person if you're a woman kind of naturally, you know? And so like, I think it's very important. You set the whole environment up, you know, if you're grounded and you have, you come from a place of peace and not, you know, agitation or aggravation, all that drama. Totally. I totally agree. And it's so important. Like you said, we cause our own misery. Why not get the tools you need to deal with your stuff that might be there so that you can walk a more peaceful, compassionate, present life. Yes, totally. Um, I'm trying to think with Vipassana, like, did you have any other experiences that were kind of like, whoa, with the washing machine or any other experiences that stood out for you just to kind of... After that washing machine experiment, (laughs) I like, um, I, I, I was still getting a little dizzy. I felt myself like getting dizzy, like just I it wasn't because I was moving too fast or anything it was just like you weren't moving you were like you you weren't even moving moving. (laughs) I was just getting dizzy you know like during my med and I just know that it was just stuff being released that I was holding within my body and it just kind of took me for a whirl so and that was interesting and just for um like uh lingo um for the for our listeners, those sensations are actually called sankaras in the practice. So sankaras are the reactions, are those sensations that come up from like the deep rooted places that get released. So throughout the technique, you're supposed to observe. You you hold your pose, you you keep your mental concentration, and you observe those sankaras as they come up without reacting to them. And by doing so, it's almost like a bubble. Imagine like a bubble coming from deep within you and it's rising to the surface of your being and all of a sudden if you don't react to it, once it hits the skin surface, it sort of dissolves and pops and it, yes. and it goes away. But if you react to it and blow on it, it's as if more bubbles, it can multiply and it will create more bubbles and then you have more of the agitations inside of you. So the, the key with Vipassana is the observation with no reaction. Right. Um, for me, I had, uh, like I said, so this is my second Vipassana, and it was very different from my first one. 
Yeah, you were telling me <laughs> your first one was blissful. And so I was like, cool, <laughs> like it's going to be blissful. I told you that before we went in too, you know, because you had asked yeah. me, how was it the first time? And I'm like, yeah, you know what? My first one. So, okay, I'll, I'll talk quickly about my first one. So my yes, first one I did, I, I did it in Wisconsin, um, northern um, Wisconsin at a beautiful center. It was like in the forest and uh, there was an old Victorian home, a really nice center. But uh, for me, the first 10 days were were quite blissful. Um, I wasn't in too much physical pain. My mind wasn't too crazy. I kind of went, I went into it, but I didn't go as deep as I went this time. So it was a totally different experience. Um, for me, it was after day 10. So on day 10, you go through 10 days of silence of being removed. Then day 10, we go from noble silence to noble speech. So we're allowed to talk, but we have to be mindful of the words we're saying. Um, so we all have lunch together or whatnot. And then we go back in and continue with the schedule. So at day 10, silence is broken. My agitation and my like uh, of the mind came up after that point because once I was able to talk and got through and did it, got out, got to like, you know, and I'm a obviously a talkative person I like to socialize <laughs> I have a podcast so um but going back in that's when my monkey mind was like wild I was just like oh my god get me the f out of this place I am done I did it I completed it. and I was like yeah this time around um we did it in Joshua Tree Park and it was really different like I had um I think there was more physical stuff going on. So for me, day three was very challenging. Um, I don't know if this is TMI, but it, for me, it was the time of the month was coming. Dude, and mine started on it. We all synced up, I think. <laughs> I think, Seriously. yes, it happened. We all, okay. Seriously. Okay, so you had to go through that too. Yeah, yes. Because day three for me, I was in so much physical discomfort. It's almost like the whole like PMS cramping and menstrual pains and all of like the the uncomfortable sensations that you can get because I was so focused and in tune with my body those sensations were like accelerated times a thousand and it was just like oh my god like literally get me out of my body this is too much and too intense because you're so so sensitive to it so um you know, I talked to the teacher. So like you said, every night at between, right at nine o'clock, if we had any questions, there was an assistant teacher who you could go to and ask about, you know, what's going on. And, and that was the one person you could talk to while we were there. And, you know, and she was able to give me some ibuprofen. Like I, so that was okay. So day three was really difficult for that. Day five, what happened to me on day five? There was something that happened. Oh, I, I got the same thing. I got, okay. So I got dizziness, but my dizziness wasn't in as I was sitting, it was anytime I got out of the meditation, like we'd wake up and we'd go to move, I'd stand up and I swear I had vertigo. It was just like everything was spinning around and everything was like very, very like lightheaded. And like I would walk and I'd almost like feel like I was going to pass out. So I'd like put my hand on the wall, crunch down and the teacher, same thing. I went back to the teacher and I'm like, cause it kept happening. And she said, you know, you're in your meditation Sankara can come up that way but it can also can come up it will come up afterwards too so that dizziness actually came up through me afterwards so I had to always like 
after that, I took my time waking up, feeling my body, stretching, um, kind of like going on my knees to slowly stand up. I was saying, did you have to crawl? Because I kind of (laughs) felt like I had to crawl. You see me dragging my body out of the meditation. (laughs) Like you think meditation is peaceful. Okay, guys, for those of you that think that we're going on these retreats, (laughs) imagine me crawling my body. Yeah, I... I just like I almost felt like I was like 70 years old I had to like I felt like what it would be like to have vertigo or to be like a senior citizen have to really take your time with how you're moving and (laughs) move slow so that was hard and then um on day eight oh my god day eight okay so you mentioned ants and the ants crawling in your body well for me um day eight at some point um it must have been when I was sleeping but I woke up with bug bites, but I d- actually I didn't realize they were there till halfway through the day. They didn't get the itchiness until afterwards, but I had like literally 10 ant bites. I think it was ants all up my neck and on my face and like massive, massive welts from bites on my back. So I had maybe about 15 bites, but it was in the afternoon that they all of a sudden, and again, I think it's the Sankara. So like, a regular mosquito bite for me would be like a certain, like, you know, it come up a certain way. I, I, I grew up in the nature, you know, mosquitoes around. But here it was almost like it was inflamed or like triple yeah. the size. And what someone told me afterwards was that through your body releasing Sankara, that can happen. Mm-hmm. So And, you know, people were getting sick too. Oh, yeah. Just, yeah, sick. Anyways, go but that's so that's kind of what happened it was like I had this like agitation where these bug bites were just like so itchy that I couldn't even focus but that was Sankara being released so those were like the okay so those are like the hard experiences but I want to share one experience that was like so cool because I had never experienced this before and I'm into meditation I'm into mindfulness a second and a half vipassana but the morning of day eight before I realized about the bug bites and whatever we were in the meditation and at one point I had the um tingling feeling so so with vipassana you have you can have like the gross pains, the itchiness, like those uncomfortable sensations, or you can get to these points where you get these tingling sensations that feel incredible. Like yeah. they feel really, really good. It's almost like your body good vibrations, good vibrations, and your your body almost dissolves. So when you're sitting there, all of a sudden I would get these tingling sensations up my arms, up my legs, and it's as if your like legs and arms aren't aren't really even there. It's like you can feel the the kalapas, the little um, atoms of your body just yeah, vibrating. Vibrating, totally. You, you experienced totally. that too, right? Absolutely. So Those were, That's why I didn't mention it because it felt good. It felt so good. <laughs> I only remembered the bad things, but yeah, that was, that, that was blissful. Wasn't it? That am- was blissful. Like, was, wasn't that like amazing to actually feel your body on such a sensitive level? Yeah, it's crazy because th- that's, that's with us all the time. Like right now, I'm not feeling it, but if I – got into a meditation all that stuff with it's still it's still happening right now we just have no awareness to it the sensitivity so day day eight I was able to get to a point and he talked about it through the discourses where it's called I think he called it banga where all of a sudden my entire body and this only happened once from head to toe the entire thing was just this vibrating free flow all the way up and down and it almost felt like those little vibrating um, kalapas were expanded and I could feel the space between those, like those, those atoms. 
Yeah. Yes. <laughs> like, I'm like, I don't even know what I, I know. Yeah, I know what you mean. I know exactly what you mean. So but I didn't get to that elevated point, but I, I could feel it coming. Yeah. You know, I, I think that, you know, with more practice, hopefully I'll get there. But that's, and that's still only the first, like, you know, like it's just the first step. But to actually experience that, when I woke up from that meditation, I just had the biggest smile on my face and I was just like, what was that? <laughs> oh my God, I've been meditating for years, but what was that? So, I mean, I found it so profound. Yeah, it's pretty intense. I like just never, ex- I'm so glad that I went. Like, I'm really, I'm just like, it was, you can't trade that experience for anything. Like, and the things that I've learned throughout the whole course is just, gold I wish I was able to write I know that it wouldn't be the same if we were able to write but I just wanted to write everything down that I was feeling so I could remember it and and I don't know I just wanted to like hold on to that memory but you know Aniche right everything's changing and that's it so Aniche is impermanence everything's changing and um do you want to explain like how that worked in the Vipassana Yeah, so while we were meditating and focusing on our sensations, we would observe them. And what we while we were observing, we would um, get kind of get grounded in this universal law of impermanence, the sensations that felt good weren't going to be permanent, the ones the gross sensations that were negative, those aren't going to be permanent. And so like, it was a real lesson, like through your body of impermanence and not getting attached to anything too positive, or negative. So that that kept coming up for me when I was getting all these pains in my back and I just kept saying, okay, Nietzsche, Nietzsche, this is going to pass. This isn't my whole meditation. I'm mean, just sit here and observe this pain. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's sharp, it's uh, sore, it's burning, but it's not going to be that way forever. And it's like, you take that into your life. You know, it's like, when you're feeling negative, it's like you shouldn't, you know, it's like that feeling of negativity, anger, anguish, all that stuff, that's not going to last either. So major life lesson is just like observing things and just letting them rise and fall, like how they, universal law, right? Like how it always happens with everything. So that was a big golden nugget I took home too. Totally. Um, one thing actually, I just thought about something funny that happened. Um, so we're in Joshua Tree. Uh, and there's lots of critters and lots of different animals there. So I want to share the story and just see if you have any any uh, similar stories. But at one point, we were in the lunchroom, and you couldn't talk to people. And I was eating inside, and I looked out the window, and I noticed this one girl kind of stopped, and she was sort of in shock. And then another girl went over and looked, and I was just like, I'm the type of person. I'm like, okay, I got to go see what's happening. So I went out to see what's happening, and oh, my God, there was the biggest – I mean, you live in Joshua Tree, so. Yeah, but I have never seen. Like four foot long red snake right there on the path. And it was like, oh (laughs) my God, are you freaking kidding me? But then the funny thing was, is that we're looking at this and you're like, oh my God, but you can't tell anybody, you can't say anything. So you don't really know what to do. You try to kind of like make it obvious that there's something there, but some of the girls ignored it. So I went back and I'm sitting and I'm. And I'm like back to eating my lunch. And every time I'd see a girl get up and go and walk down that path unknowingly, walking right by this massive, like, I don't even know what type of snake it was. I'm going to be like python, even though it's not. (laughs) Anaconda, even though it's not. (laughs) In my mind, it was like an anaconda and it was like going to eat someone. It was huge. It was just bigger and bigger every day. It seemed bigger. 
But I was like trying to telepathically be like, there's a snake, there's a snake, 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 snake. So and my mind flipped and I'm like, oh my God, how many times have I been that girl walking by something <laughs> with like some sort of critter? So after that, I wore my running shoes the entire time. I was like totally like so observant of the ground around me. Totally. I was out there and I actually kind of broke my noble silence because I was watching that same woman that you were watching. We we're both watching. Okay, her so you, you saw this too. Yeah. And so, like, she was not paying attention. She was just walking. And her foot literally came like an inch <laughs> above the damn snake. Like, she was going to step on it. And I was like, oh, shit. And I said that out loud. And so, everybody kind of like looked over. I was like, oh, my God. Like, total jerk I am like breaking noble silence with oh shit but I like it was just like just came because I got like scared that (laughs) she was gonna step on it and another thing happened I was sitting next to the hugest black widow like out you know where we were eating and like it was like on the bench like behind or like underneath it and so I was like I got up and was like okay there was a black widow here it's I don't want it to bite anybody you know so it's like I didn't sit there but I sat really close to that same spot every day and I was just kind of looking at the person that was sitting there like hoping they would look at me so I could be like telepathically be like you're like trying to have your body language you can't say anything but when stuff like that happens you're like (laughs) hello there's gonna be a big spider biting yeah I just was like I was on guard though that bench like all just making sure no one got bit so Um, weird like it was my job afterwards like after we could talk some girls told us that they found like scorpions in their showers and like I'm just like oh my god thank god that wasn't me because I would have freaked out I'd be out of the center for sure (laughs) (laughs) yeah they're everywhere around here they don't really and with all that stuff they don't bought they don't care about it we care about them way more than they care about us totally they're not going to intentionally try to hurt us well and another thing with vipassana is i mean one of the silas uh that you take is that you're not going to hurt anything and by like being so gentle and being in a state where you're so connected to nature like you kind of flow with nature a different way like did you find that like rabbit would be on the property and you'd make eye contact and it'd be like you just felt this different connection to your surroundings did you experience that I did and you know what like I live here in Joshua Tree so there's rabbits and stuff everywhere but I've like never seen rabbits and like squirrels and stuff so comfortable around people it's like they caught a vibe from us that they knew like no nothing was gonna happen we weren't gonna hurt them so they were just like like just around and just like being comfortable not being scared like you go anywhere around here they're just like taking off they're nervous they're it's the same kind of they it's like they felt that same kind of peaceful energy with us like and the same that we felt with them it was like cinderella like when she's cleaning and all those like birds like come on her shoulders and she's like la, 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 la. like it felt like that it was very very weird a thousand percent there couldn't have been better that's exactly what it felt like with like yeah. the, the animals around the birds singing and the rabbits jumping and the snake being there as scary as we project the snake to be it's like all really peaceful so um so how do you feel now like now that you're back we're we're two days back from the experience I feel I feel lighter but not gonna lie when I got home it was like I had a hangover I Mm -hmm. think it was like like just coming back to all like the noise and like the try just like the everyday it's like dude I was living in this before like it's so loud in here like and no one was you know like you know my family didn't go to Vipassana only I did so they were just in their normal days and the rush and and so I was it took me I'm still kind of settling in to this to this way of living 
in the real world now, but mm-hmm. I feel good. I feel lighter. I feel like I definitely have to incorporate that in my practice, you know, cause you're not supposed to like mix techniques, you know? And so I was kind of, I'm still kind of thinking about like how, cause I love mindfulness. Like that's my jam. So I don't, I'm kind of, you know, it's not too different except the sensation thing. And like with mindfulness, we observe our thoughts and we, you know, it's just a quality thought. Like there's a little, with Vipassana, there's like none of that. It's just all sensation. So um, I have, I'm kind of still figuring out how I'm going to like meditate now because I definitely, I loved it and I want to incorporate it in my life. Um, but I feel good. I feel light and I do feel like spreading the word. Like everybody needs to go try, you know, that, that whole, that whole, um, his whole teachings about the craving and the aversion and the ignorance and how that's like the root of all unhappiness. And it's like, that is so true. You know, and like how we can just be addicted to our cravings or addicted to our versions and just addicted to things like without just the ignorance, you know, and the craving piece for anybody who's like, well, how do you, you know, how is that a bad thing? Like craving is you're addicted to the things that feel good. But the thing is, is that what happens is you have cravings. You cling to those cravings and then you want them and you, yeah, like almost get addicted. And when they're not there all of a sudden you're in misery. So it's a matter of like experiencing things as they are impermanently, however they are without any judgment and then just sort of stay neutral as you go through life. Yeah. Equanimity, right? Yeah. That's exactly what it is. It's just sort of keeping that real like, ah, Zen. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, it's hard to have this modern life and then not because it's like we're all like we all are ambitious you know like we want to we want to make things we want to we want to get our message out like we want to go out there and network and we were all kind of chasing after goals and it's just kind of put me in a place where it's like okay and you told me that you know we've had talk we talked and you're right it's like you just stay on the path you know and you just follow follow just do the right next thing there it's not necessary to think that you have to have it all at once that's what gets people so agitated and irritated and angry and overly ambitious where you're stressed and it's like there's this we have time and there's no there's not this huge rush but just kind of gently walking in the direction of the things that you want without getting overwhelmed was like a really big takeaway I had to so so true and it's so important like you said in our society that bombards us with like you need to do this you need to have this you should be here it's like all of this guilt it's like it's like no you know what I'm good and I'm just yeah. gonna take one more step in the right direction and I'm gonna see what inspiration I have and I'm gonna go that way so I would recommend it to everyone especially if you're like a entrepreneur I think it's a great it's a great something to do before you before you overwhelm yourself, I know what it's like to try to start a business here or try to get this going. I think it's great for anything, just kind of, if you're starting, we had that pregnant woman in our group and I thought like, wow, like to have this gift before you're, before you bring like a life and you get like overwhelmed by motherhood and like still trying to work and make money, but having the baby, like what kind of, what gifted it is for yourself and for your new baby to have this mindset of just equanimity. It's all good. Everything's changing. I'm not attached to anything. I'm just going to be here now, loving, accepting of this moment as it unfolds. I think that was like, I, I looked at her, I was like, 
I should have done that 14 <laughs> years ago. <laughs> hey, but you're doing it now and you've been, know, you've been right? on this path, right? So it's, it's all good. So um, on that note, I want to thank you for sharing all about your experience. It's so cool to be able to have this conversa- conversation to like be out and be like, okay, now that we're in the real world, we're back. <laughs> How was it? You know, and be able to right. share this. So for, totally. any- for anybody who's curious, because I know I've gotten a million questions and people who are sort of curious and, and hopefully this highlights a little bit of our, the experience. Yeah, totally. Everybody go do it. Just go on dhamma.org. Yeah, center and go do it. I'm going to include in the show notes, I'll include a link to the uh, course, dhamma.org. It'll be on that. I'll also include a link of where people can find you. Actually, do you want to let, let us know? Like, where's the best place to reach out if anybody wants to? I'm an Instagram girl. So okay. I'm at the mindfulness mindset okay. on Instagram. Or I go means love. That's like my, what do you call it? Your- Handle. Yeah, that's my handle. Okay. Echo means love. And um, my website's themindfulnessmindset.com. That's where I blog. And I love conversation. Hit me up in my DMs if you want to discuss anything that you read on my page. If you have any problems, I'm like totally here. If you're a mom getting into mindfulness, the busyness with the kids, Iko, you'll you got that covered. Yes, I'm your girl. Come see. <laughs> I'll so I'll include a link to your blog and and Instagram where they can find you. And I'll also include for anybody who's going to do a Vipassana, I totally set myself up. I had the comfortable situation of the proper chair oh, and the cushions. I was so and jealous of you. I was the one person, I think, in the whole room that came with that. And I think everybody was looking at me just like damn <laughs> I know I was like she is ready to go like that yeah. would have so if you are going to do have a pass now I'm including the link to the chair that I bought the cushions I bought trust me go on there get them for yourself yes. even if you're just meditate get these things because they will make your life so much so much easier so yes listen to Samantha she knows. <laughs> <laughs> okay well thank you so much for uh, being here today and um I'm excited to see what's next for you and see how your blog unfolds thank you so much for having me Thanks again for listening. I'll post a link to the Vipassana Center site in the show notes. And if it's something that you're interested in, I highly encourage you to check it out as they have official centers all over the world. And who knows, maybe there's even one around the corner from you, just like it was for Ico, and you just don't know it yet. I've experienced a lot of things, and I can say with confidence that going to this 10-day Vipassana course has been one of the most profound and life-changing experiences for me to date. A really interesting thing to note is that the entire program is run based on donations. That's right, it actually doesn't cost you anything to go. You go there, you have your experience, and once it's done, you decide how much you wanna donate. The nicest part about this is the paying it forward aspect. The entire time I was there, I was constantly reminded that it was because of the generosity of complete strangers. So when I left, I made my donation with the mindset and intention that somebody else could come there and experience it too. If you had any questions or comments about today's episode, leave us a comment or rating. We'd love to hear what you think. And remember to subscribe to hear more inspiring stories from other women just like you. Remember, we're all in this together, so let's do our parts to be the kindest and lightest versions of ourselves. Let's make this world a better place. Keep being you. Be beautiful. Until next time. <laughs>